Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you joined us. Tonight, we're going to take a pause from the study of Jude. Uh, Lately on our midweek service, Pastor Goss has been going through the book of Jude, and we're actually going to be jumping over to Jesus' half-brother by the name of James. And now, if you read the book of James... It is pretty exciting. It's like one of those thrillers. When you read it, you are sitting on the edge of your chair or you are standing up and you're like, oh yeah. See, James writes that he has this plea to his readers, to his Christian audience, this vital plea for Christianity, but not just Christianity to be something that is to be observed, but something that is to be lived out. And in other words, James writes with this audacity that says, don't just tell me what you're going to do, show me what you're going to do. And so tonight we're going to be looking at James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. You have it in your handout, you have it on notes online, and let's dive in. So he says this, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and and the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise them up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And this is where we're going to pull our big idea out of tonight. And it is this little portion of our text. It says this, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then I love James. Like he gets real with us. He gets application with us. And he gives us a practical example by this prophet named Elijah. Is this, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly. And in other words, fervently that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Yell out how many months that is. If you can put that together real quick, right? Now, okay, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruits. That's pretty epic. And in other words, Elijah prayed, it stopped raining, and then Elijah prayed again, and it began to rain. That's pretty radical. Tonight, I want to talk to you about this big idea, and it's this. Passionate prayers of a righteous man produce God-sized results. Passionate prayers of a righteous man produce God-sized results. Now, before you dismiss me and you're like, Pastor Blake, seriously, what, what are you talking about, passionate prayers of a righteous man? I'm not too righteous. A lot of us in here aren't too righteous, right? Or wrong. Because the, the question is like, Pastor Blake, maybe we're having a conversation. You don't know what I did last week, Pastor Blake. I struggled with something. I'm really, like, I'm going places I shouldn't go. Yesterday, Pastor Blake, you don't know what I did. Man, Pastor Blake, an hour ago, you don't know what I did, but I showed up to church because I needed some kind of redemption throughout and in my life. See, a lot of us in this place, we feel like we're not righteous, but we have a gift, and we have a hope, and that's Jesus Christ. So if, in, if you're in here online and if you have a relationship with Jesus, then you're found righteous. Now, maybe you don't have a relationship with God. We want to give you an opportunity later on, maybe throughout the week, whatever the case might be, to help you on that faith 
journey. See, and this is where we pull our hope from. Romans says this, in the Passion Translation, it says this, but now, independently of the law, the righteousness of God is tangible, brought to light through Jesus, the anointed one. This is the righteousness that the scriptures prophesied would come. And then it says, it is God's righteousness made visible through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And now all who believe in him, all who believe in him receive that gift. For there is really no difference between us. Can I get an amen in the room or online type it out? Let's pray real quick if you'll bow your heads. Lord, we give you this time. We worship you tonight. We say thank you for giving us this ability, this opportunity to gather together. Apply this word to our lives and may we grow bigger and stronger in our faith journey and in our prayer life tonight. In your great name, we all say amen. Dr. David Cho, he is the founding pastor of UDO Full Gospel Church. Has anybody ever heard of UDO Full Gospel Church? It is right now, today, I just Googled it right before I came out, over 480,000 members, okay? That is over half the size of Lee County. Talk about a phenomenal church, mind blown, right? So Dr. David Cho, he just gets done anytime in ministry, anytime in work, business, wherever the case might be. If you are, quote unquote, in humanity, successful, people want to know. So he was teaching at a seminar and a a pastor of a church of 3,000. Now, to put in perspective, a church of 3,000 in the United States is still considered a megachurch. It's still large. A pastor of a church of 3,000 approaches Dr. Cho and, and says, Dr. Cho, I need help understanding. And Dr. Cho began to lean in after this seminar and started listening to this man in this conversation. And he goes, yeah, so what do you need help understanding? He goes, listen... I come from an American school. I'm Korean, but I was educated over in American Western culture, and I believe I have a better education than you. Oh, wow, okay. See, Dr. Cho, he, he was in a Korean Bible college. So this man draws this arrogant conclusion. And then he goes on to ask, and he goes, Dr. Cho, I recorded your messages, and I recorded my messages, and I compared them together. Dr. Cho goes, okay, just starts listening, and and he says, and I believe, this pastor of a church of 3,000 says, I believe I'm a better speaker than you. So Dr. Cho, being a wise man, remains silent, right? So as he's listening to this individual, talk to him, he uh, just asks him a simple question after a long pause of taking this in, and Dr. Cho goes, well, how much do you pray? See, this man was inquiring why his church of 3,000 didn't grow to be over a church at the time when Dr. Cho had this encounter of over 300,000. So this man was inquiring, well, why is my church not as big as yours? Dr. Cho asked him the question. He says, well, how much do you pray? The man goes, I pray 30 minutes daily, and I outline my prayer, and I pray for all my obligations throughout the week. Dr. Cho, listen, okay, that's good. And after a long, awkward pause, as you can imagine, the man leans over to Dr. Cho and says, well, how much do you pray? And Dr. Cho responds, I pray one to three hours daily. And then the punchline, I love it, Dr. Cho goes, the difference between a church of 3,000 and a church of 300,000 is 30 minutes compared to one to three hours of prayer daily. 
See, when you read in the context of Dr. Cho goes on, I'm not saying that the more you pray, the larger the church, the more success you're going to have, but Dr. Cho goes on to elaborate. It's the heart behind the prayer that counts. It's not outlined. It's not something we just do, but it's the heart of our prayer. See, Dr. Cho, he understood. It's not him talking to God. It's him talking with God, just as James illustrates, because when we talk with God, when we engage in conversation, God produces God-sized results. See, so many times when we think of prayer, when we think of our prayer life, we think of it as something to do. In fact, it actually becomes our hang-up when it says this, prayer is just something we do and not something we fervently pursue. Let me give you some just red flags real quick that if maybe prayer to your life is just something you do, more of a task to complete, a, a box to be checked. And here's one, your prayer time isn't scheduled. Anything that's a value in our life, we schedule it. I value my wife, so we schedule date nights. I value my kids, so we go on to the zoo. We go to Disneyland. We go to Disney World. Whatever is out here. I'm from California, so whatever. We go to Disney. Whatever the case might be, we schedule time as a family because we value family. I value trying to lose my love handle, so I go to the gym, right? Like we schedule what's important in our life. We value work, so we show up on time to work. We can look at our calendar and see what we value. One red flag of if maybe prayer is something we do is if we just show up and check the box. Another way is this. You feel uncomfortable praying with people around you. I love what one pastor said. He said, it's pretty awkward. Whenever you walk to church and you're engaging with people in church, yes, sometimes that church is one of the most uncomfortable times to pray with other individuals. But people are believing like us, are, are seeing things, are striving for the same kind of steps in life, yet we feel uncomfortable praying with one another at times. It becomes something we do. George Barna, he has this research firm. He says this, and, and he polled Christians when they prayed. 79% of Christians have prayed at least one time in the past three months. Okay, I'm like scratching my head. What about the other 21%? Can you still be Christian if you haven't prayed within three months? Like your heavenly father is right before you. Can you not pray? Like what's going on? But then he goes on and here's another interesting stat I found uh, fascinating. He says 82% of Christians only pray silently and alone. And then he goes on, he says 2% of Christians, okay, will only play with, will pray, play, pray audibly and with other people kind of crazy. It becomes something we do when we look at it as just a box we check. And then he also goes on to say this. Here's another red flag. When we compare our prayer life to others. I love Pastor Steve. He hasn't been with us, but sometimes he gets up here and when he speaks, it's like this radio voice. You know what I'm talking about? It's this amazing radio voice and it blows you away. And sometimes I find myself, even as a minister of the gospel, comparing myself to Pastor Steve's eloquent messages or, or eloquent words when he prays. So my question to you tonight is this, as we look at our text here in a second, it says, are the prayers you pray impassioned, earnest, exciting, emotional, heartfelt, intense, sincere, specific? Because if they are, they will produce God-sized results. So tonight I want to talk to you about this. I need your help with this. Number one, God-sized prayer and results, they identify the current reality. I need your help a little bit. If you're in here or online, type it out if you have to. Say with me, identify. 
Say intercede. Say intervene. Tonight, we're going to identify, we're going to intercede, and we're going to intervene. See, James, he writes this. He says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Right here, we are seeing both ends of the spectrum of human emotion. If we are down, if we are depressed, if we are depleted, we are to what? pray. If we are ecstatic, if we're excited, if we're enthralled, then we are to sing psalms. We are to pray. Whenever we're down or whenever we're suffering, we are to pray. If it's emotional, if it's physical, if it's mental, whatever suffering when, we need to find ourselves this avenue to pray. And not just to be delivered out of that, but for the grace to overcome and bear that suffering. That's what James is saying right here to us. He says, we need to pray for that grace. My wife and I, uh, spring 2018, all of a sudden we lost our jobs. Overnight, got an email on a Sunday. The organization that we are serving, uh, it closed its doors. Uh, That means we lost our community, our friends, our relationships. Uh, I lost work at the time. We had a six-month-old son and we had a two-year-old. No health insurance is pretty daunting at that time pretty amazing experience. And I would say that's when God broke us as a family. That's when God broke me down. I I remember talking to one of my spiritual giants in my life saying, I I don't know what to do. And they they gave me the, the best piece of advice I can give anybody. The older you get, the more you understand the importance of prayer. Says, this is the time to lean in and depend on God. So I had many sleepless nights, no job, three months, job hunting. I I was wrecked. I had voids. I was depressed. My wife was struggling. We were struggling. And there were sleepless nights where we just got up and we prayed. We called heaven down. We said, God, we need your help now more than ever. He gave us the grace to bear it. Some of you in here listening, wherever you're at, we are praying right now. We are standing with you right now. Pray. I love what the scholar and pastor A.W. Tozer said this. He said, it is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. The Greek Orthodox Church, they practice this tradition. I want to encourage you, whenever you're going through these seasons of suffering, whenever you're going through these seasons of, of, of doubt, and whenever you need to cheerful, practice this practice from the Greek Orthodox Church. They say this. They say, breathe a breath prayer. And in other words, the breath prayer, it came from this idea when Bartimaeus in Luke chapter 18, this blind man, heard that Jesus was passing through the town. Bartimaeus is blind man. He goes, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he yells this out, and the crowd is around Bartimaeus, and they're like, be quiet. We don't need to listen to you. We want to see Jesus, this man everybody's talking about. And, and Bartimaeus yells again, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He sees this breath prayer because it can be said in one breath. Many times through our suffering, many times through our cheerfulness, our daily lives, I want to encourage you, adopt this tradition and say a breath prayer. God, I'm thankful my kids ate their breakfast today. God, I'm thankful I had a good conversation with my boss. Boil it down to one breath and see how God works in your life. Identify your current reality. When you're walking through the halls, when you're talking with your friends, when you're talking with your neighbors, when you're praying over your children's lives or your children's children's lives, God, be with them today. 
say a breath prayer. That's what James is encouraging us to do right now. Number two for us is this. Prayers that produce God-sized results, they intercede for others. James writes, he's, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And in other words, if you are someone who you would consider yourself young, I want you to hone in up here. It says, anyone, let him call for the elders of the church. That means spiritually mature and seasoned individuals that are elevated within the assembly. So many times we go to church or we have problems or something happens to us and we walk in and then we understand that we need to kind of fix some priorities in our life. And then we go and we share those, those hiccups with people who are more on the peer level, more of the horizontal level. I'm here right now telling you for us in our walk, like James is saying, we need to find someone who's spiritually mature in our life so they can speak into that experience. And if you're in here and you would consider yourself a spiritually mature Christian or you're online, I would encourage you, poke, prod some of those younger people around you, that generation that's a step down. They want to know what you have to say. Even if they get stubborn and even if they're like, nope, don't talk to me. They do. I do. I know it's true. Trust me. Talk to students all the time. They're like, man, they're intimidated to talk to people. They're intimidated to talk to people. So you have a great influence in this room and online. So talk to someone who's spiritually mature. Talk to someone who is a part of the church. Intercede for others. We need to pray with others. And then James goes on, he says, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And in other words, whenever we are praying with something, we are praying that God approves them. God approves of what's going on in life. God, we understand that this individual is sick and they need your approval. They need your redemption. But then James continues and he says, the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Many times when we read this, we look at the scripture and we look at the context and we think that it's saying, okay, if I pray the prayer of faith, my sickness, sickness is going to go. I'm going to be physically better. I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to be good. Well, really, that's not what James is saying. James is addressing the eternal destination of one's life. Save the sick. The greatest thing that can happen to each and every one of us is that we're made right with God, that we are righteous with him. Because when we do, we intercede for others on behalf of prayer. And we intercede on others for others. And God does some amazing things. James goes on and he says this, confess your trespasses to one another. That means any violation of the law, any civil hiccup you have, any moral uh, misunderstanding that you, you do, uh, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, and here we go, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So I love what uh, James is saying. He says, confess your trespasses to one another. There's many times when we don't really want to say what's going on. Well, that's like going to a doctor's office and the doctor asks you 30 questions and you don't really tell him what's going on in your life. Then they have no way to diagnose what's happening or how to treat you. 
so the doctor can't do his job. Well, when we're praying for people or when we're interceding on for one another, we can't pray for you if we don't know what's really going on in your life so that we can have fervent and effective prayer. So no matter where you are at, no matter what is going on, there's people in this room, they want to pray for you. There is people who need prayer. We're supposed to intercede for others. So I love even in, in Mark chapter 2, Jesus says this. He says, it's, he didn't come for the what, sick? Did he, did he come for, the, did he come for the, uh, the healthy? No, he came for the sick. He says, Jesus says, I came for the healthy or I came for the sick. It's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. And then I love even in, in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, he says, Jesus says, he says, when he's hanging on the cross, when it's his last moment, he does a breath prayer. And he says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He is interceding on our behalf, and ultimately he intercedes so that we can have a relationship with God. Number three for us tonight is this. Prayers that produce God-sized results intervene in the process. I mean, when we pray, we pray for the process. And this is where we get a little bit tangible. And, and uh, James gives us this example by the man of the name Elijah. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, meaning like you and me. He, he breathed the same air as us. He drank the same water as us. And he prayed earnestly, and in other words, fervently, that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. We see this complete story of Elijah in 1 Kings. It's this phenomenal story. When he prayed, things happened. He raises a widow's son. He feeds a widow's family. Birds, are, birds feed him by a babbling brook. He defeats prophets and slays hundreds of false prophets with a fireball that consumes an altar, and then he marches them down to a valley. And he even stops and starts the rain. He's a man like us. And when he passionately prayed, things happened. The list goes on and on on what Elijah did. See, James has given us this practical example of what happens in life. When we learn to pray like Elijah prayed, it pr we pray in the process and we pray for the process and God intervenes. God, I pray that you give me a work ethic that pleases my boss. God, I pray that you give me customers today, 11 of them, when I'm praying specifically. God, no matter what is going on in your life, pray and God can intervene in the process. There's this form of praying, it's called lamenting. Uh, we find it in uh, Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah. We find it in Isaiah. We find it in Psalms uh, chapter 6, 10, and, and 13. And it's this idea, it's this prayer that is expressing great grief and sorrow. Psalms 13 says this, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face it's this expression of great grief and great sorrow. See, in approximately 70 AD, this idea of um, 
uh, Stoicism says this. It's when we are understanding or coming to this reality that the world is cruel, it's chaotic, that wars are wars, that corruption is corruption. In the early church, we adopted this Stoicism, and it, it, it baffled the church. And in other words, when Stoicism came into the church, it said, okay, the world is just the way it is, and when we pray, it, it is what it is. See, in Judaism, when the Israelite nation had to follow, when Elijah was following God, they were so dependent on God intervening in the process that they called out to God. They said, God, hold true to your promises. I'm lamenting before you. And they call on to God when it comes to these kind of prayers of lamenting, saying, God, I'm holding. You said you'll never forsake us. God, you said you're going to deliver our people out of the desert land. God, you're going to do something. You're going to move in our life. See, Judaism, they adopted, and when Christianity and Judaism started to part ways in approximately 70 AD, and this idea came, one idea came another way, and Christianity came another way, these people, uh, Judaism held on that, okay, the world is chaotic. It it is frustrating. It it is uh, corrupted. But whenever we call on God, he can intervene and he can change our situations to something that it's supposed to be, something that is healthy. See, sometimes as a church, as Christians, as followers, when we pray, we say, hey, you know what? It is what it is. Like, it is, whatever, God, like it is what it is. But right now, when we passionately pray, you and me, flesh like Elijah, we can stop and start rain. Our powers hold power, hold weight, and God wants that for each and every one of us. But part of that is passionately pursuing, passionately going. Now, I'm going to end with this story by this man by the name of William Tyndale. He says this when it relates to intervening in the process He was a leading figure in the church Protestant movement for the country of England. Well, the establishment, they got tired of hearing him. See, he believed that the king and a servant should all be able to have the word of God for themselves, that everybody should be able to read the word of God for themselves. Well, if you know anything about church history, that wasn't the case. I mean, people had to, Christians or people who followed God had to go to someone, a priest, and have them intervene on their behalf, is so what they were told. And William Tyndale understood, he read the gospel and said, that's not how it was supposed to be. You and I and everybody else should have the word of God. And his very last statement, finally the establishment got tired of listening to him, and, and, they, and they decided to execute him. And William Tyndale he says this, he did, does a breath prayer. He says, Lord, and, and he's about to be executed, he says, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. Open the king of England's eyes. Tyndale goes on to die, he's persecuted. But then years later, guess what? England becomes a Protestant nation. He breathed and a country was changed. He prayed and a country was changed. He prayed that breath prayer. Right now, church, if we're in this place, we need to pray for our country to change. We need to God to intervene. We need to identify our current reality. What's going on in our life? What do we need to call out? We need to, inter- we need to intercede for others. James is saying, intercede, anoint, pray a healing prayer over people that they're approved by God. And God, we give you this time, just like back in your first original established Abraham, Elijah, King David nation, we pray that you can intervene in a, mad, in a, in a, in a great, majestic way. 
See, tonight, I want to conclude with these big ideas. These passionate prayers of a righteous man produce God-sized results. No matter where you're at, I want to encourage you tonight. You can pray and you can have God-sized results with your prayers. So tonight, as you notice, we're going to conclude. And if you're joining us online, I want to encourage you to do this as well. Um, we're going to sing one final worship song. And I'm going to ask you, we can't talk about prayer and not pray, right? Like, it's kind of contradictory there. So I'm going to ask you, wherever you sit or wherever you're staying, we want to observe guidelines that have been placed, social distancing. I'm just going to ask you, who in your life you see reflection questions on the handouts that you received? Who do you need to pray for? Who do you need to intercede for? What current reality do you need to identify in your life? What process are you in? Do you need God's intervention in your life? What from the book of James do you need to apply to your life? So we're gonna sing one final worship song. You can stand if you feel moved to worship with us or you can just sit there and you can, be, you can just stay there and be reflective and, and pray. I'm gonna step over here to the side and I'm, I'm gonna pray. It's only three or four minute song, but I thought I'd give us an opportunity to pray and stay where you're at. Maybe you need to lean over and say, what can I pray for you for with whoever you came to church with? So as you enter this time of prayer, I just encourage you, pray and, and pray, God, you can make the rain stop and start. May my passionate prayers of this righteous man who's made right by God do something amazing in the days to come. Let's pray. Jesus,
by God by by your belief in Christ your relationship with Jesus and don't give up understand I know it's crazy times I know it's unique times but your passionate prayers they produce God size results let's hold on to that be encouraged this week you have a handout for some reflection questions that you can go through this week and we just want to say thank you again for attending. Thank you again for joining us online. We love our virtual community. Let's pray together. I'm asking everybody to stand as we wrap up and we conclude tonight. God, right now, we just pray we lift you up for these faithful individuals that have joined us online or here in this room, that they have stepped out. God, we know there is nothing better than you. God, let us not lose hope. Let us not lose faith. But God, let us cling to your promise that you're going to prevail in our lives, God. May we rejoice at all times, no matter what end of the human emotion spectrum we are in. If we are cheerful, may we sing your name. And if we are suffering, God, may we pray. God, be with those who are in this room. Be with those who are online. And God, be with those who are continually living a life of prayer. May we always rejoice and always reflect in your great name. Everyone here and online says... Amen. Wait, we'll see you Sunday. Thank you for being with us tonight. Take care. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. 
Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.